This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. You're welcome again to The Game on Sunday podcast. Michael Lester here with you again to discuss all that's been happening in Gaelic Games. And I'm joined, as usual, by Pat Spillan and Tomas Mulcahy. Uh, what will we talk about, lads? Pat, <laughs> the Camogie <laughs> final, like Sunday, can I bet you about what for set? Hey, would that be all right? That's fine, though. And we will we will talk about that, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, 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 the Kelly ladies winning the All-Adam semi-final last week against Leo. We can do that as well. So. I I point, Michael, can I just start and say to Pat, Pat, you were on last week. And my God, what you didn't say for about up for the match. And there I was sitting on my couch last Saturday night. And who makes an appearance on up for the match? <laughs> sorry, a bit, sorry, by the way. No, I'm I, just sorry, no. Don't mind, just sorry. I give you my background on that. Two things. No, first of all, I, I will. Do you know what? I, I actually, I, I initially, when RT rang me, this, I said, all right, so, but you know, let's, I, I do it. <laughs> And listen, listen to this, lads. You couldn't make this up. So I said, all right. And then after a few days, you know, I was thinking to myself, look, I'm not involved with the club now. It's about it's about the present day inter-county players and it's about the future. And I have no involvement with the club. But I don't want to be rocking down to the club and becoming suddenly their status spokesperson or talking about. So I rang them the night before and I said, look, I said, I don't want to do it. I'd prefer not to do it. Just leave it. And do you know what they did? This is very low. The person who was organising it from RT's point of view, when they said, Pat, if you don't, if you're not there, we're cancelling the whole lot. And I just have to say to myself, there was a hundred kids going to be down there, music, dancing, doodle, 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 doodle. And I said, no, I said, no, I just look. Uh, she said, we're cancelling it. And within the next 10 minutes after that phone call, I must have had three or four phone calls from distraught club officers saying, look, Pat, you know, they're, they're, they're not coming. 
and they said they won't come because you won't you won't talk. So that's why I was there because it was for the fucking club. And I'm telling this not alone that it'll tell, it, it tell you how much production was going to because next minute that was on 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 Thursday the ball and Marty rang me up and he said Pat. I said, Marty, before you ask the question, the answer is no. Uh, uh, would you ever come? Would you ever come to Killarney for up for the match? I said, fucking Marty, I'm on up for the match down for the field. So there's no point in me being on twice. And here, I think the program is a lot of crap. Anyway, so we turned like, imagine Mick, Mick Galway. Mick Galway came all the way from Kilkenny to be interviewed for a minute. And, and Mick, a, a great rugby player. I know he won a sub with us in the 86. I can't remember him as a footballer at all, but by Jesus, I've often said to Mick, you've got more mileage out of, out of winning and all that medal as a sub than any man in this land. So fair play to him. But anyway, that's why I was on up for the match in it. That's, that's okay. That's okay, Pat. Well explained. I thought you were a bit of a hypocrite. You oh, are Jesus, no. right? But I, I, I think, I think, I think, Spillan, you should be a politician because that was the most rambling yeah, uh, way of getting out of a direct question that I've ever heard in my life. But, uh, am I missing something, lads? But am I missing something here? Uh, like, and I'm stuck in GA all my life. But is that as much Irish dancing and traditional music on in the GA club? Because every time we have to rock up to GA club, there has to be dancers and somebody baiting the boat on. And to be quite honest, I don't know of anyone who's, who does Irish dancing, but in here. I was wait- I was waiting for that pa- piece, Pat. Yourself and Matty doing a little bit of a jig. Oh, no. Well, I, can I can I tell you on a complete, um, just left of centre note of yeah. this at Spillan, um, I I really should know an awful lot about Irish dancing, because my mother Mary was the Irish champion oh. three times. Oh, good lad. Yeah. Good and, woman. And in actual good fact, woman. she she did her best to get me interested in in Irish dancing, which I kind of did for a while as a kid, um, but but. Um, there was about 20 girls and just me and another lad. I opted out. Well, I remember that, Mike, in, in primary school when I, when Pat was in, in, in sixth class and Shawnee Shea was in, and they were brilliant footballers and they never did any team. They never did any sport. There was no training for football. But they used to bring this fella, call him Mr. Jones, who came over from Tralee every week for Irish dancing and they're paying euro each. and I would say Mr. Jones is a, first of all Mr. Jones was on, uh, was on a goal mind he, he was and secondly I remember going to watch them one day Pat Shawnee O'Shea the best of our footballers and they're one two three around the little sword inside I said ah oh, Jesus Christ I'm to text me to God he was God and I don't know, but do, I don't do, know. You know do you know the weird thing about it is when we talk about the competitiveness of sport which is huge obviously and it's getting more competitive obviously in current times and all that but I remember my mother telling me a story about some fish down the country back in the day, and I'm going back here to the, maybe the 40s or the early 50s or whatever, where one of the competitors threw acid into the face of, of one of the other girls uh, because she saw her as a threat. Now you you see some you see some weird things happening on GEA pitches or soccer pitches. I know. So far, anyway, I haven't seen anybody throwing acid at anybody. Oh, Jesus, Michael, you're bringing back bad memories. I was seven years as chairman of the club, and the only thing that caused acid was fetching score uh, and who should be on the set dancing team, who should be doing the figure dancing. And the trouble about, like, at least in a GMF, the team who scores most wins. In deciding dancing or singing or recitation, uh, 
It's subjective. Oh, Jesus, man. The biggest expenditure we had one year was material for dresses for for score for the dancing. Holy Jesus. It was... Look, uh, there's enough there's enough organisations in this country to look after Irish dancing and Irish music. And I don't think it's the GA's job. He's up for the match job to be promoted. Promote yeah. what? Promote modern GA. Modern GA. Multicultural or whatever like that. GA's instead of some old stereotype from from the big hour, big hour, big hour, my daddy, my cream. Anyway. Right now, move on, lads. Let's talk. Anyway, yeah, that, that's, that's, a fairly, that's a fairly extensive way of avoiding the original question, yeah. which is yeah. what you actually called about the match last Sunday. Uh, no excuses, Michael. I, I, you know, I looked at the game on Sunday and I thought, Jesus, captivating, exciting, huge physicality of results and doubt up to the final whistle, edge of the siege entertainment. And I looked at it again on Monday and I realized, I was like, this is a different match. The match was cagey, uh, it was cautious, it was very defensive, a lot of unforced errors. Uh, I thought skill execution was poor. May you take, okay, the conditions were slippery, which in Crop Park makes it difficult. The shooting, I mean, Kelly's, Kelly's shooting was 51%. Uh, Dublin's shooting efficiency was 53%. Now, for the two best teams, it's good. that's woeful. So, you know, it, it wasn't a great game of football. It's not one that barred the fanatical Dublin people that in, in five years' time would they, would they be watching. I don't think so, no. It was a poor game. At the same time, I, I honestly think, says Gas Michael, uh, at the fourth, up to the 46th minute, about the 45th minute, for the first time, Watching the game that I said around the 45th minute, I think Gary are going to win this game. I think Gary are in control. And then the whole game turned on that 46th minute when Gavin White's pass was intercepted by Colin Basquell. They gone to Paddy Small, goal. And from there on, even though Dublin, even though Kerry got the next three points to go three points in the lead again, I felt that they used so much energy that, look, for the last 20 minutes, there was really only one team dominating. That was Dublin. They outscored Dublin. They outscored Kerry seven points to two. And look, I, I, when I looked at the game and analysed the game on Monday, the best team, the better team on the day, won the game. So no excuses from Kerry. No excuses, maybe. It's no blaming referee. No blaming this. Uh, Dublin were a better team than us on the day. I yeah. think from us, it was also fascinating uh, just watching the match from the point of view that if you look at a game and you've got guys out in the field with like a truckload of All-Ireland medals uh, won over the past 10 years or whatever it is, and to see them having another go at it and we're talking like, principally but not only, Stephen Sucks, 41 years of age, wanting wanting to do this all over again. That's impressive. It, it, it's very impressive, Michael. Very impressive, I must say. Look, and, and, and I agree with Pat, and I, I watched it as well, and I was very excited be, because I, I, I had said all along the two best teams playing football this year were Dublin and Kerry, and the two that were in the All-Ireland final, and we're going to be in for a very open, freestyle type of football game, but it, it never turned out that way. And I, I just kind of, after 36 minutes, six points to one four. Uh, Kerry going from the 51st minute to the 66th minute without a score, which is which was incredible for Kerry um, because of the, the quality. It was a game of turnovers, and you're right, Pat, seven points to two in the last 10 minutes and stuff, right? And But something something that you're right, Michael, what you said, Cluxton at 41, is, is I wonder, is that going to start the trend around the country in terms of hurling a football goalkeepers coming back? and um, putting their stake in place again because look I, I thought it was a very strange decision bringing them back it seems to be the best decision uh, Dublin have ever made in terms of that have worked out to a treat 
Um, and the most important thing that I, I, I listened big time to the aftermatch and watched a couple of reports is the players on about the last two years, how they were hurt, how they were disappointed. And these are guys with six medals in yeah. their pockets, seven medals in their pocket, Michael, all the success that they've had. And I think, I think that was, that was an incredible statement to be making. The standards that they have set for Dublin, they weren't up to it for the last two years. And it's it's like Kenny the hurling. Look at all the success that they've had, and you'll be saying, "God, let's let's sit back and we we won't, we won't have that hunger, we won't have that desire." But my God, did they have it? They had it all over the field. It was incredible, from Cluxton out to Fenton to Brian Howard to the captain, the guys that had so much success wanted it again in an amateur game. I thought it was fantastic, and to listen to them afterwards, I just couldn't get over that concept. We were hurting so badly. And we were hurting over the manager. Uh, we were hurting yeah. over things that were said. And they used it all to their advantage. They used it all inside the dressing room together to perform and defeat the play on the biggest stage or Ireland final day. You're right, Tomas. I mean, it's an amazing statistic. Like, do you, do you know, they've, they've nine All Ireland titles in 12 years. And, and we, I made the point before about professional sports, it's easy to motivate them because the more success they are, uh, the more they get paid. But for amateur sports people, and this is their pastime, to come back year after year and to put so much effort and so much motivation, it's unreal. And and it's an interesting point. I was just looking at, like, outside the fact that they're the skill and all that, and, but you look at you look at the all Ireland finals since 2011 and, and, and that, and you look at the score lines. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, their average winning margin in an all Ireland final is less than three points. Uh, in 2019, it was a draw. They had four one-point victories. Four in an all Ireland final, one two point victory and one three point victory. Only on three occasions was the winning score more than five. Five, uh, five against May on twenty twenty, six against Tyrone. Uh, so like, what? Like this is this is talking about what part of individuals are their resilience, their character, their motivation. These are points who are, are down in the trenches year after year and getting results. I mean. Wine, it's it's leadership, it's composure, it's game management, it's belief, and it's just that warrior-like resilience that they come back year after year after year, and they want to prove them were as good as last year. Oh, they're amazing. I just absolutely amazing. 
do you think that this this present Dublin team, um, this was a this was a, a a last shot, if you like, because most of them are actually in their thirties, and and as we said, like so many all Ireland medals and all that kind of thing. Do you think they just gave it one? They got together at the beginning of the year. I know this, by the way, and just said, let's let's give this one last big show. I have no doubt about it, Mike. That that's that's the correct, and I. I would be fairly certain that you will see a lot of uh, retirements. I would imagine James, you won't see James McCarthy, definitely not Dean Rock, even Desi, who, Desi Farrell, who was a year to go. I think he's going to it, it see, uh, Kieran Whelan seemed to uh, say that on Sunday night, on Sunday, that Desi probably will leave it. Uh, look, I've always said the last hurrah, uh, that Enoch Powell, the English politician, said the careers of politicians always end in failure. And the careers of sports people nearly always end in favour. Most sports people yeah. get get the last hurrah wrong and stay on that year or two too long. Dublin, did you do that? Last, did you do that? Did, did you stay on too long? No, I didn't. Believe it or not, I swear to God, I was dropped. I was, I was dropped in eighty eight, eighty nine. Sorry, eighty nine. Uh, when Mickey Ned took over, and I said, I'll tell you this now. It was the one thing I vowed to myself. I said. I'm going to go on my own terms. And I remember I training as hard as I can to get back. And I got back in 1990 and I got, I was, we got to the all City final in 1991. Uh, I was playing well. And I said, when we were beaten by Dowell in the all semi semifinal, I said, right, this is the time to go now. When fellas were telling you they had another year extra, I left of my own accord in 1991. And boy, was I lucky because like some, some of my colleagues, for example, Jack O'Shea, stayed on to 1992 and the infamous defeat to Clare in Innes in that Munster final. So, mm. uh, and like how, that, how, how old were you, Pat? When you, I was 35. I was 35. I was 35 and I can tell you this, I was as fit, uh, I was as fit as any time in my career. And you look at James McCarthy and Mike McFitz last week, like outfield players with the pace of the modern game, the energy of the modern game, and they were going just as strong at the end as at the beginning. An amazing achievement, and I think it is the last rat. I think that was the big motivating factor. Kerry will be hurting, but like Jack O'Connor says in the paper today, you know, they've got to channel that hurt uh, for next year because youth, age, youth is on their side. Can I ask you one thing, Pat, about a, a big factor in the game was the star of Gaelic football, obviously, in recent times, has been David Clifford. Um, Michael Fitzsimons was given the task of Mother's Ring game, let's say, on Sunday. And and as brilliant as Clifford is, and he is unquestionably brilliant, Fitzsimons, I thought, did just a great job in terms of, of empering him, let's say, you know, what? and his influence. Uh, well, can I quote you something that I said in, in my column last Sunday in the Sunday World? I said, David Clifford is our biggest threat. Yeah, no doubt about it. Our star player. But also, that paradoxically, David Clifford is also our biggest weakness. Because, I quote, if he has a bad day at the office, we are in big, big trouble. Now, by David Clifford did not have a bad day at the office. He got three points. He laid on a goal and two points. But by his own huge high standards, he didn't have a good day. I mean, his scoring stats, he had eight shots at goal. He's going yeah. two. Two out of the eight, 25%. Now, why was that? First of all, 
Michael Fitzsimon did an unbelievable marking job on. Absolutely. So there is still a place in Gaelic football for the traditional man marker, right? That's number mm-hmm. one. Secondly, the supply line was cut into David Clifford. In the first 23 minutes, David Clifford had one ball. One ball. But like, it's gassing away. And, and, and we've always worried about this. The bad day at the office for David Clifford. But the w- big worry for Kerry all along was that over half our scores came from David Clifford and Shawnee O'Shea. Last mm-hmm. Sunday, David Clifford got two points from play. Shawnee O'Shea got one point from play. That's not good enough. And unfortunately, while Dublin and Conor Callan and Kieran Kilkenny not scoring at all, the other forwards stepped up. We didn't have anyone to step up when, when Clifford and Shawnee O'Shea were struggling. So that is a problem with Kerry going forward and we always knew a reliance on one maybe two forwards not enough scoring points from the rest and Pat if I, if, if I could ask you in terms of Clifford himself right I mean you have to love the ground that he, he, he plays football on his talent is incredible just in terms of those scoring chances I mean some of them that he kicked you've seen so many times straight over the bar but some of them were so they were so wide to go they were so high yeah, it, it, is that the pressure that was being put on from the double? Well, face? you know yourself, yeah, but you know yourself, Tomas, from playing. There are there are days yeah. that that things haven't gone well for you, and exactly. And, yeah, and as and the more they're not going well for you, the harder you have, you try, the mo- yeah. and the more you're shooting, and 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 there was an element of desperation. David was getting off a lot of. There's no doubt about it. Very low percentage shot when maybe it should have been recycled, and like, look. Two things like David Clifford is, irrespective of last Sunday, is still the best footballer in the game by a long odds. You know, he's they've had a, a, such a sad year, Paddy and himself burying their mother. But mm. outside of that, from a football point of view, last December 12 months, last December 12 months, which is what 19 months, 20 months ago, they started training with the Kerry seniors and they have been on the go with Kerry, with Fossa. With East Kerry up to last Sunday, oh God save us! If if right is right, Fosser and East Kerry. Remember, he has the intermediate championship with Fosser yet. He has yeah. the county senior championship with with East Kerry. There may be a, a club championship, but if right was right, Fosser yeah. and East Kerry should come together and say, "Lads, do you know what? I they need a break, and David needs a break." And would you would, you would would you have felt their pad in terms of like being man marked where he was with with Simon? Um, that he might have went a small bit deeper out the field to get uh, well, possession. Well, yeah. When I look at Kerry's play, like Kerry's, uh, I just thought Kerry's play last Sunday was too cautious. The build-up play was too, mm-hmm. it was too slow. Too often they ran down into cul-de-sacs. Too often they took the ball into tackles that were turned over. Uh, I mean, Kerry's greatest strength is that kicking game. And they didn't utilize the kickback a few times into the corner, which slipped off the surface. They didn't shoot enough at the goals, which I felt when, when pints were on. But I would have, it, given the conditions, the slippery ball, the wet conditions, I would have had David Clifford at the edge of the square and pepper him with 50-50 or 40-60 because he's a big fielder. He has a couple of inches advantage over Michael Fitzmaurice. And even if he didn't get the ball, there's a chance. 50-50 of a break and Kerry getting it. So, well, yeah, uh, yeah. But like in those last 20 minutes and we talked about Dublin winning close games and I thought 
that monkey was off the bat that Kelly's game management in, in, in closing back in closing stages was was that poor game management was gone. But last Sunday in that last twenty minutes, you like you said, you saw David Clifford taking low percentage shots. Amo Sullivan kicked the hail Mary shot. Uh, my nephew Adrian, instead of attempting to punch the ball over the bat, took another bounce off and slipped off the surface. Bruno Budley and Shawnee O'Shea both took the ball into tackles in those vital last few minutes and got turned over and Dublin went up and got scored. So game management, lack of composure, was very poor in that last 20 minutes from everyone, from 1 to 15. And then on top of that, Dublin could bring on Jack McCaffrey from the bench and geez, in the last 15 minutes, he was electric. He, he, yeah. he, he was electric. Gelling didn't have anyone to bring on. Killian, my nephew, did, and he's just coming back from injury. We don't have, and uh, we've piped to this out in several podcasts, we don't have a great impact from the bench, particularly in terms of scoring. Yeah, and I think right. you're you're right in that because everybody spoke about that, even in terms of the Harding, the Harding final. We were on about Kenny uh, strengthened it from the bench, Killian Buckley, uh, Patrick Walsh, Walter Walsh, but Walter Walsh at the start, and he didn't have this, the same impact coming off the bench, but like Dublin, everybody spoke about the straight and depth of the bench. And and that must be a credit to management to keep these guys happy as well. To say that you're not starting. You're Dean Rock, you know, your position, yeah. McCaffrey. And, and and accepting that as well. Because a lot of guys wouldn't accept it. They'd be gone and say, I'm out of here because I'm not getting my place. Right, lad, listen, it, I, I would love I would love Moss and Pat to, to just keep talking and keep talking because it's it's um it's it's a fascinating conversation, obviously. Uh, we do have to take a short break, um, but don't go anywhere, uh, folks, because we have a lot more to talk about, including the Camogie finals, which are coming up to us uh, yes. this weekend. Um, just to remind people, if you want to join us for part two of the podcast, there is a subscription fee. It's four euro a month, and you can get the details on how to join at www.thegameonsunday.com. We hope to talk to you again very, very shortly. We have lots to talk about. See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again, everybody. Uh, just to remind you, with Michael Lester here, you are listening to The Game on Sunday podcast, part two. Uh, we've been talking in the first part with uh, Pat Spillane and Tomás Vosley about the All-Ireland football final last weekend. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, just one or two things maybe, if you like, to clear up. But also I want to talk to Tomás about hurling or more specifically uh, Camogie because the Camogie finals, of course, are coming up uh, the weekend, and that's going to be a more fascinating stuff in Croke Park. Uh, Pat, just one or two things about the, the the football. You were giving credit, rightly so, to Dublin. They won. You said you had no arguments and so forth. But, but the point about it is, going into injury time, the scores were level. It could have gone anyway. That's a fair point, yeah. That's a fair point. Uh, yeah, it could have gone anywhere. Uh, I just said to, uh, I swear to God, Michael, that in that, that Dublin just were in the ascendancy. That just, you know, that their decision-making, their composure, just, just, it was better. Their game management was better. And yes, you're right, it was down to the last. And little things, you know, uh, like you look at uh, the referee's performance, uh, David Goff, and you start to Right, that that call uh, when he listened to the umpire uh, that instead of giving David Clifford the free in, it was a throw up, and he and he was a huge call. Now the those little things, but now in fairness, I will say two things about Goff. Uh, he got the goal right from Paul Gary, and I actually thought, oh geez, there's two hops here. And I looked at the game, I said it's two hops, but no, technically speaking, the second hop went from the ground to the foot into his hand, which means it was okay. Uh, I, I suppose, uh, like, given the conditions and given Dublin's style of play, his style of refereeing sort of suits Dublin because David Goff is a referee that likes to let things go and likes and gives the benefit of the doubt to the fellas tackling. He's very hard on fellas in possession. Uh, so that would have suited Dublin were hitting that bit harder, were, were more physical, probably playing more on the edge than Kerry. And Kerry was able to go play on the edge. Like, if you look at his performance, and he had a very good performance, but you'd certainly say, in the cold light of day now, James McCarthy was very, very lucky to play on the field. You know, he was very, very lucky, given the amount of fouls he had accumulated. But... Um, no, it's just it's just those little margins that spill ball that turn over. But no, we still have no arguments. Look, uh, it wasn't a good game. It wasn't a great championship season. We had two great semi-finals. We had a great first half uh, between Dublin and Mayo in particular. And after that, looking for highlights of the year, you know, we'd be I'd have to be doing a lot of research. Just to come back to you on that point that you were making about um, David Goff's referee, not not David Goff uh, specifically. But the whole point about um, uh, analysing, which I'm, I feel very strongly about, the guy in possession who wants to hold on to the ball, uh, as opposed to being, or should be, in my opinion, letting it go, just letting it go when you're tackled. 
what that's a very interesting question, but that's something we must delve into because there's no other note about it. This whole area, the definition of the tackle, okay, it's fairly clear cuts. It can only be side to side, you can tackle the ball. But as regards dealing with this, and it's it's in hurling just as much as football, the swarm tackle. The swarm tackle. Swarm tackle. Swarm tackle. Yeah. Like, yeah. to be perfectly honest, when I see a swarm tackle, I can count one, two, three, four, five pounds in a sequence. I don't know what this tomorrow is thinking about it, but that needs to be addressed because that swarm tackle is a is a serious issue in both hurling and football, and it's a very much a grey area, and a lot of the fouling in the swarm tackles is going unpunished. And I agree with you there, Pat. And even even in the hurling side of it, right? I mean, you you take the Kilkenny boys; they were master of it. When a puck out was coming down, sometimes they'd go and let the opposition win the ball in the air, let them go up. And it's when he comes down that's the time to get him because he's possession of the ball. You swarm three or four guys around them. He can't get in a strike. He can't get in a hand pass. And sometimes then there is a free given for overcarrying the ball. What's the player supposed to do? You know, and you see a lot of that in football as well. Michael, you will find. Somebody tackling yeah. was guys winning possession. Where where is it to go? Or where are they to go? If there's three or four guys around them, they can't get the ball down to feet. They can't punch the ball away. And suddenly there's a free given against them for overcarrying. I think it's, it's 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 that's a topic for another for another day as well in terms of conversation and the rules and where 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 everything is going and that side of things. It is, but also to most that, that you that you mentioned it. Um, is this not the way the Limerick hurlers play? In the sense that they swarm you, they do, of course, absolutely, Mike. You look at you look at them in terms of their the sharp puck out that will go to a corner back or a full back in, in, in front of that full forward line Limerick, and suddenly there's bodies all around them. Now, are they fouling? No, I think they've they've got it right. I, I'd love to see other teams do that as well, rather than giving a free puck to somebody. Yeah, keep your eye out in one corner to say, yeah, it's going short, and suddenly you're gone, and you're in that guy, and you have your arms around them. You don't foul them. You don't let them out. You don't let, let them get into the next phase or go through the lines with possession, and you hold them up inside. Yeah, and that yeah. puts massive, massive pressure on the opposition in terms of, do they go short again for the next pug out? No, they need to go long. And where if they have to go long in a hurling perspective, where do they go? They go down on top of Clyde Hayes, they go down on top of Declan Hannon, and they go down on top of Damer Burns because they have no other option because they're losing so much ball inside. So from a tactical point of view, I think that is brilliant to see. Football, you saw last, Pat, you said it took some very hard tackling from behind in terms of guys getting in fists, getting in boots to ball that was coming in front of the opposition. And I just think in terms of Dublin, they just probably had in that last third spin more ball than carried it, had more opportunities going forward and carried it in that third and maybe conditions were were part of that as well because guys slipped on the ground, they dropped ball at the last second when they were maybe yeah. offloading, they dropped ball out of their hands as well and look, that was part of the day in terms of conditions. Yeah, you're no, doing, just, really- you know, do you know that's what, what's um, watching soccer, which we'll be starting up again in a, another week or two um, oh, I'm talking about the Premier League, obviously. Um, but this this tactic they have in soccer now, you you can pull this one off in soccer because you're not supposed to handle the ball. But have you noticed that fellas who either get a bit of a push or a shoulder or ball, they 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 go down the ground and the first thing they do is they grab the ball and they basically shove it up their jumper, which is <laughs> is forcing the referee to make a decision. Kind of, you know, does he give you the does he give you the free or does he does he penalise you for handball? Kind of, you know, 
It's, yeah, it's an interesting uh, question, Michael, uh, because it, it, you talk, you, you look, you analyze the performance of Gaelic football referees, and the one thing you know, it's no different than hurling, is that the inconsistency between various referees. Some referees allow a lot more physicality than others. Some referees bl- blow for the simplest of little pushes and tugs, whereas David Goff is a referee that likes to leave things go. But yeah, it's a very interesting question. Like the dogs are brilliant at defending. And they're brilliant at setting traps. And setting a trap, then on the ball, suddenly there's three on you. And it's an interesting question to ask, and I haven't got the answer, but like, should the benefit of the doubt be given to the player in possession or given to the defenders? It's just, in basketball, the benefit of the doubt is given to the player in possession. In Gaelic football at the moment, particularly the way the likes of David Goff and something chapters a bit of a doubt is given to, and in Harley, to the to the tactus. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just on the, just while you're on that as well, I just, I, I look, this marks to me, being honest with you, I don't know where they came up with it. I just, I just, for me, watching as an ultra in terms of watching football, I think it's something that has to go out of the game. I can't understand it, why it's there, or why you're kicking a ball into a guy 14 yards out from goal, and he would want to call a mark. Oh my God! I just, I just can't understand it. To be honest, if it really does, it's against Thomas. From from my point of view, the mark I agree with you on this particular one. Um, it's in against everything that football should be. Well, Michael, I can see why they introduced it. Right, they were trying to introduce it to to encourage more kicking in the game. But it's it's it's, it's a knee jerk reaction. Has it encouraged more kicking in the game? Absolutely not. That's number one. Secondly, it destroys the flow of the game. That's number two. And three, if you were reward, if you can reward a guy for catching a ball that has been kicked 20 metres from outside the 45 into yeah. his chest, and you're rewarding that guy for catching a ball into his chest from 20 metres, oh, holy God, Jesus. That's that's Jesus, that was part and parcel of the game growing up on the rage. That's part and parcel of football. Catching a ball, that's what the, what's about. And you're giving him a mark? I can't understand this. It's a joke, but unfortunately, lads, the, the powers that be in the J and um, We'll talk about the split season in the next couple of weeks again. But the powers that be in the J don't like to fucking admit that they were wrong and they got something wrong. But they got this wrong. They got the advanced map wrong and they got the split season wrong. I think I mentioned that before. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I, I want to I want to move on very shortly uh, to Komogi. Uh, big matches coming up the weekend. Before we do that, I'm not going to disclude you, by the way, Pat, from this um, discussion either, if you want to join in, of course. Um but, but just to finish up on the football, player of the season. Do you know it's it's it, Michael? It's it's it, it's it's a hard one to call. It's James McCarthy and 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 David Clifford. Uh, both had subdued performances in the final last week. Do you know what? The player of the year is probably a little bit more than just being the best footballer on the field, and I just think. Of what James McCarthy? I, I, look, we know he, David Clifford is the best footballer in Ireland, and mm. but the Player of the Year, I, I just think that for what he's achieved, uh, James McCarthy, his Rolls Royce engine, uh, the fitness, the the standards he's delivering at his age, his leadership, the the nine in a row. I just think for all those, I think it has to be James McCarthy has to be player of the year. All right. Well, let's see what happens. Um, 
But uh, I'd give it to David Clifford, Michael. <laughs> I, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay like chairman and yes. this kind of thing. So I, oh, I hear yes, you, then, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but look, at I mean, e- either either of the, the two lads, either oh, James, yeah, or this uh, would be you could toss a kite, huh? You could toss a kite, Michael. Yeah, you could toss oh, a kite. That's, that's that's exactly the, my, my point. And um, as I said, Pat, please stay with us. Um, but tomorrow, let's, let's talk hurling here or Mogi more specifically. Um, the All Ireland finals on at the weekend, and of course, the big one, the senior final, Cork against Waterford. Um, this is a fascinating one from the point of view that. That Waterford haven't been in a final for seventy-eight years, as far as the, the Second World War was. The yeah, it's, it's, you know, seventy-eight year, Michael. You're correct. Yeah, nah, the last time was nineteen forty-five, and um, you've seen the scenes after their semi-final victory over Tipperary. Um, it was like as if they had won the All Ireland. Uh, it's a massive, massive achievement for them. And um, look, there is a triple header in Crow Park on Sunday. You have Premier Junior final, you have Tipperary versus Clare, you have an intermediate final, Mead versus Derry, and then you have the senior final. Um, I think, Michael, you, 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 something that maybe that you wanted to discuss was I just looked to throw in times for the finals. I know the first one yeah. starts early, and then the second one and the third one. But like on a bank holiday Sunday, five o'clock in Crow Park for an All Ireland Camogie final, I just think the timing is for two. Munster teams travelling by the time you get out of Dublin. I, d- I don't know where they came up with the time, to be honest with you. I don't know. It kind of baffles me a little bit. I suppose most like yeah, everybody wants to have have um, counties and championships their day in the sun and as you said, the junior final, the intermediate final and so on. Uh, nobody would deny them their, their right to be in Grove Park on the big day. But because of that triple header, I mean, three big matches in Grove Park on the same day I mean, it was always going to be a late finish, you know. And as you said, by the time the senior final is over, it'll be after seven o'clock by the time people get out on the road, as you said, down to either Cork or Waterford, or wherever you're coming from to watch the matches. And that's cheapers. That's that's a long day. It is a very long day. And look, um, I'm sure the powers that be in the Camogie Association would have had uh, uh, examined all that and looked at us and they... They they take this as their greatest day in the in in, in in terms of this the, the finals and this and the association and the junior team the junior team they feel very important about the intermediate team they feel very important about as well and obviously then the culmination with the senior match so it's 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 tough it's tough getting three matches on a given day right I mean what we've seen yeah. in the last couple of weeks in terms of you know the hurling and the senior football we we had no game proceeding any of those right you know so. And now in Camogie, you have three big matches. Look, the powers have been no better, right? But I just think five five o'clock start for supporters getting there, getting out afterwards and stuff like that. It it asks a lot, particularly when it's in Dublin. It, yeah, well, look, well, look as, as as we said, it is what it is. As the say, it is what it is. Yeah. Let's be positive. Um, about the but, but let's be positive about it. It's it's a yeah. big match between Cork and Waterford. This is this is a uh, totally interesting final from the point of view that. This was I was going to describe it as a, a David versus Goliath, maybe a more a Davina versus Goliath, if you like, because Corker have been so successful in Kamogie down through the years. Waterford, you know, on the other hand, this this is an incredible big day for them. It it, it is, Michael. And and if you just take across the three finals, right, of the six teams, there's four from Munster competing in terms of tip player, Cork and Waterford. So uh, there's there, there's an awful lot going right. 
in Munster in terms of camogie. Um, there's obviously an awful lot right going on in Waterford and the Waterford manager, Sean Power, uh, speaking to people over the weekend. Some people maybe think that he, he should have been the ideal candidate for the Waterford senior hurling team, right? Um, that he has that much respect and that he has that much going from as a manager and it's proving, right? And you look at their, their semi-final win, 112 to 111 against Tipperary. There was a 10-point t- turnaround in that match. There were, I think... There were 10 points to three down at one stage. And then kind of the last five or the last kind of 10 minutes, they came back very much strong into the game. And a star performer in Bit Carton at centre forward, I think she got eight points. Four yeah. from freeze, four from play. So, um, yeah, Cork are going to be raging hot favourites going into it, I think. Um, but they they, they, they they can't take the right off of this this performance by the centre forward, Bit Carton. Mm-hmm. But, on the other side, Cork, their victory in the semi-final, Michael, um, they had a three-point win over Galway. Galway had defeated them back in June, so um, they, they put to the pin of the collar. One-point win against Kilkenny in the semi-final, but I think they're going to be too strong for Waterford if they keep the field on the ground. I'm sure Cork manager Matthew Toomey and the captain, Amy O'Connor, will, 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 will take it all on board in the build-up this weekend to, to, to the final, but the most important thing, they haven't won since 2018, so um, is getting victory and uh, yeah, I take Cork to win it. I think a, a, a psychological boost for Cork, if you like, is you mentioned the Galway uh, victory in the semi-final, but they had beat Kilkenny as well. The two counties that had beaten them in the championship in the, in the previous couple of years, you know, so yeah. that, ha- that has to be a big thing. Yeah, and they were put to the fill of the collar in, in both matches. They were very tough games. As I said, he only got over Galway by three points and um only if one point win over Kilkenny and that match could have went either way um, you know so um, but isn't that great kind of preparation going to a final that you get those hard tests you get you come out the right side of those matches we've seen so many in the hurling football this year where the point one point defeat has ended your season or the one point defeat hasn't meant you haven't got through the, the qualifiers so Cork have yeah g- gathered momentum uh, particularly and um, I was expecting Tipperary to be honest with you, and I said it in the in the last podcast for Tipperary to actually win that semi final and uh, be in an All Ireland final. But you've got to take that off the Waterford, and you look at the excitement after the match, uh, the crowd that they brought. I think there was a record attendance in Northern Park. All roads next Sunday are going to leave from Waterford. I think with the crowd, they're going to bring to grow back for the whether it's five o'clock or seven o'clock or nine o'clock at night. They're going to bring bring a massive, massive support because uh, the t- that team deserves it to get to All Ireland final for first time in seventy eight years. What an achievement! I think as well. We're all hoping that uh, those two semi finals that we we spoke about down in Nolan Park, uh, exciting stuff that they were. But Jupiter, the weather wasn't exactly particularly kind. So hopefully, Sunday will be slightly uh, a better day. Yeah, you. Yeah, look, um, it's the same as any sport. Look, the, the bit of the bit of slippery weather on Sunday, the football had an impact on the game. Hurling, you don't like seeing hurling playing in wet conditions, and mm-hmm. the same with Camogie our ladies' football. You, you you want the finals today. You want Crow Park, the grass cut, and get the smell of the grass, and it's nicely cut, and uh, you have a sun shining. Uh, you can't ask for anything better, and a big crowd, and I'm sure there will be a big crowd because of the Parsons Bay Counties next Sunday. There's going to be a massive crowd in Crow Park, and the Camogie Association and the ladies' football. They've had their criticism over the last couple of months. Um, we still won't let them away but in terms of being coming together as one unit and the dual player status. But next Sunday is their day, so it's their day to enjoy uh, in, in the sun and in Crow Park. 
And I suppose, Pat Spillane, there, there's an interesting kind of um, contrast here, if you like, because over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've all been caught up in the women's um, soccer World Cup and, of course, Ireland's exploits, which unfortunately uh, didn't work out too well in the end, uh, narrowly, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and here we are on the bounce again, back. More women's sport, more big sport, uh, and this time back on home soil. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I think that I read somewhere this morning that it's going to be the biggest, they, they, they expect the biggest attendance ever at a Kamoki final that should be in excess of 30,000, which just goes to show the the huge following for women's sport and the growing interest in body yeah. participation and spectators women's sport. I'm a bit like, I'm not an expert lady. Uh, what do we tell me, lads? Why don't they wear shorts in Kamoki? I mean, just stupid question, but why did I wear shorts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. Moss, Moss, I feel like, give that one to you, Moss. No, I heard you at the very start saying that you were afraid of the skirt, but that was the, the, the Irish dancing. I never knew you were afraid of the skirt, but the shorts, yeah, uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. Or, or pass. Pat, can I, can I put it to you? Can I turn this around? The Wait, will you just side? find that out for me? No, 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 no. Can I turn this around the other side? Why don't men wear skirts playing football and harness? <laughs> can I turn it around the other way? Why, why, don't, doesn't, why don't uh why don't uh, the rugby players and the soccer players and the lady footballers so not wear skirts as well? Or starts, is it? Starts, is it? Is that what they're called? <laughs> starts. Right. Can I, Pat, can, can I let you dwell on this yeah. for a week and come back with the answer, Pat? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Give yeah, him a break. Pat him now, maybe throw that in there for Sunday. And, and don't forget, lads, another big match on Sunday. Uh-huh. Another big final. The Kerry Hurling final is being played next Sunday. Crotter and Nick Snow. And it's, I think it's on TG Car. Jesus, that's going to bring the nation to a halt. I presume you're going to that, Pat. Joey, you could walk around to Lee next Sunday afternoon and you could ask most people who wouldn't even know who's playing in the county hurling final. And, and it's a local derby and it's brilliant and it's very parochial and it's, they're really, you know, they live and die for winning the county hurling title. But that's the that's the big match. Uh, that's the big match on, on TG Car next Sunday. But So we go from a million last Sunday to I don't know. Yeah, and we 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 go we go we go from into our into county straight into club championships, Michael as well, right? You know, yeah, last weekend yeah. in Cork, last weekend football championships, next weekend in Cork, um, my own club and involved as a selector, Ben Ro- Ben Rovers played Black Rock on yeah. Friday night, uh, big big match as well, and uh, live streaming there as well, and full activity. So look, we have lots to talk about, talk about over the next couple of weeks. There's no question about that, and best look to everybody who's playing uh, club championship over the weekend coming up. Uh, lads, as usual, fantastic to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining me. Pants Balance, most more cage. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, sure look at we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.